Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how God is a shielder who became Abraham's shield and protected him, just as the Lord Jesus Christ shielded and protected us in salvation. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org and on iTunes. We want to thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, our resource for this month is from Tom Cantor, and it's called How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53. We'll also include another Tom Cantor work, his personal testimony of how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll receive both of these for a $10 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. Now, you'll also receive a matching donation from Israel Restoration Ministries towards Jewish Evangelism Outreach. So when you donate $10 or more, you'll also receive that exact same matching donation towards Israel Restoration Ministries. And we've reached over the past three years over 5 million lost Jewish people with the gospel face-to-face, door-to-door. We've also called over a million lost Jewish people over the phone to reach them with the gospel and send them gospel materials. Now, to order your copies of How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53 and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the testimony of Tom Cantor, and you can receive both of these by calling us today with your donation amount of $10 or more at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can call us now or after the program. 1-800-247-3051. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org to see our online bookstore and resources that are available. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Genesis as we study the life of Abraham. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for being who you are, a God who reveals yourself as the great God you are. God of love and a God of care and compassion. Lord, we thank you so much that you so loved us, you so cared for us that you sent your Son. And we pray as we open the scriptures this morning that we might see your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you turn to uh, Genesis 15, and, uh, and we'll just read this passage here, Genesis starting 15, verse 1, to get the full context in our minds. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is not, no, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and looked, and you know, he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. All right, now, what we've seen here as we've gone through this in our last study, we looked at verse 1, and last time you remember that we tried to look at verse 1 in a different type of way. We looked at it from the eyes of the Hebrews 6.13 verse. Hebrews 6.13, which says, For God made promise to Abraham because when he could swear by no greater, that's the phrase, When he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, 
So we honed in on that phrase, by no greater. And we took that by no greater from Hebrews 6.13 and applied it to these two promises that we have here in verse 1. And so by doing that, we got a real feel for the impact of those two promises because we could look at those two promises and now see them like this. We could rewrite it and say in Genesis 15.1, it would read like this. Because God could shield Abraham by no greater, God shielded Abraham with himself when he said, I am thy shield. And with looking at it that way, we understood that when God said to Abraham, I am thy shield, Something happened, something different, because, you know, of course, a little bit later on in Genesis, we're going to come to a place where Jacob, where God's speaking to Jacob, and God is going to say to Jacob, I will keep thee, and that means I will protect thee. I will, I will shield thee. But this is a little bit deeper now, because now what we see here is that when God says, I am thy shield, we see that the shielder has become the shield. The shielder has become the shield. And seeing that when God said, I am thy shield, brings us a whole new understanding that's all encompassed in this statement, I am thy shield, as it means the shielder became the shield. And we can picture Abraham sitting down. And as we've thought about this in the past, Abraham sits down, he turns his shield around, and he looks at his shield, and again he sees the slash marks from those swords that tried to kill him. And he sees the jab marks from those daggers that tried to kill him. And as Abraham is sitting there and he's looking at the shield, he sees the shield that's all scarred up. It's all marred up. And as Abraham is sitting there looking at his shield, he sees specific scars that bring back specific memories. And he replays these in his mind. It was a dramatic time for him when he almost lost his life in that battle of the slaughter of the kings. And he puts his fingers, we can imagine him, and putting his fingers in the scar marks on the shield and says, oh yeah, I remember this scar. I remember what happened at that time. That was the time when that enemy came to me and almost killed me. And he would have killed me had it not been my shield that took that slash instead of me. And as Abraham looks over each mark of the shield, the truth just keeps coming back in his mind. It keeps reverberating as that truth. The shield that took what should have killed me, it took it instead of me. And that thought, and he looks and he can't get it out of his mind. And we can imagine this going over and over again in Abraham's mind. And we see him saying to himself, my shield protected me by taking the blow instead of me. My shield protected me by taking the blow instead of me. My shield protected me by taking the blow instead of me. And as he looks at the shield, Abraham remembers what God has just said to him. I am thy shield. And so he's thinking now, and as this is happening, God has just revealed to him this truth that he's his shield. And so he just can't get that out of his mind. He just can't get out of his mind. The revealed truth now, this is something new. It's a new revelation, and it just keeps coming back to him. And we can see Abraham saying to himself, God the shielder became my shield. God the shielder became my shield. God the shielder became my shield. And as Abraham thought about those two truths, those two truths just fused together in his mind, and it becomes one great truth. And now Abraham just could not get out this fused truth out of his mind. And this new fused truth keeps on coming back to Abraham. And we can see Abraham saying to himself over and over again, 
God the shielder became my shield and protected me by taking the blow instead of me. God the shielder became my shield and protected me by taking the blow instead of me. This is coming over and over again in his mind. This fuses together that God the shielder had become Abraham's shield and protected Abraham by taking the blow instead of Abraham. And that's how God begins to now reveal to Abraham that God the shield would become Abraham's shield by becoming a sinless man. A perfect shield at first. And who this man who would... But instead of Abraham at a cross, protect Abraham from the blow of hell by taking that blow that should have been for Abraham, Abraham's sin. It should have been for Abraham's sin, but instead he took it. And that was the beginning of how God would make happen what he promised, what he said, what he reported about Abraham when he was speaking to the Jewish people in, in John eight fifty six and the Jewish leaders. And he said to them, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So what was he saying there? The Lord Jesus Christ was saying that Abraham did see him, did see him as God, who had become a sinless man, who instead of Abraham at the cross protected Abraham from hell by taking that blow for Abraham's sin. So how did Abraham see the Lord Jesus Christ die for his sins? By revelation. The same revelation when God said, I am thy shield. That was a revelation. And so what we're reading about now in verse 1 here is the beginning of this new revelation. And by telling Abraham that he was a shield, it's beginning because now Jehovah Jesus now is revealing to Abraham the overview of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel by revealing to Abraham. Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to be like a shield to you. And he's telling him, and the overview or the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is that on a cross, God will become the ultimate shield for man. And he'll protect man. He'll take the blow instead of letting man take that blow. So the whole scriptures, the whole of the scriptures now is especially as we move from that first sin in Genesis 3 and we're passing now, the scriptures are beginning now to focus more and more on the Lord Jesus Christ with this statement, especially, I am thy shield. And this is what he said in John 5, 39 when he said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, eternal life, and they are they which testify They're speaking, they're testifying. It's like these verses are standing up in court and they're saying, I testify. And they're testifying of a person, of me, it says. So we know all the scriptures speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a very interesting phrase that we've seen before that describes Philip when he was guiding that Ethiopian eunuch to life. And it says in Acts 8.35 that then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That's something. If all the scriptures speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, then our goal is to do what Philip did. What was that? To begin at any scripture, any scripture, and show how it leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, from what we've learned about the meaning behind God saying, I am thy shield, so we're ready to preach the gospel, to show how that leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second promise was that not only has the shielder become the shield, but God now reveals that the rewarder has become the reward. 
The rewarder himself is the reward when he says, I am thy exceeding great reward. That great reward was not really the things that God would give to Abraham, which he did, but the great reward, the exceeding great reward, was the Lord himself, the rewarder. God was making himself the shield. God was making himself the reward. And that was God's choice. That was 100% God's choice. God's choice was to make himself to make himself to be Abraham's shield. He didn't have to do that. God didn't have to make himself to be Abraham's shield. And the Lord Jesus Christ expressed this. And look at how this passage, you might like to turn to this in John 10, 15 through 18. John 10, 15 through 18. Because here in this passage is a parallel to what we're studying here in John 15. If you look at it from the point of view of he didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it. And so he says here in John 10, 15 through 18, he says, First, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of or from myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So when we look at this passage, we see here that the Lord starts by telling us that in verse 15, that the Father knoweth me. Now, of course the Father knew the Son. I mean, they were one. But he wasn't just talking about just general knowledge. He was referring to something very, very specific about him. There was something very specific, and he's going to reveal that to us of what the Father has got his eyes on, of what the Father is focused on about the Lord Jesus Christ when he says the Father knows me. And what is that? We notice how he now reveals to us what the Father knows about him. The Father knows that he has chosen to do what is stated in verse 15. Verse 15, that specific knowledge that the Father has focused on, on the Son, is that the Son has chosen to lay down his life for the sheep. That was his choice. And that choice, that choice was a focus of the Father. And in essence, he has said to his Father, Father, I have decided to lay down my life for the sheep. I have made my choice. I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. And then notice in verse 16 how he explains why he did this. In other words, what was the reason for him doing this? And those three words in verse 16, I must bring them also. I must bring. That shows us an imperative, a drivingness inside of him. Something that he absolutely had to do. There was no choice about it. It drove him to make that decision to lay down his life for the sheep. Because he felt that imperative, he had to do it. He had to do it. He's expressing to us, there was no question. There was no consideration of any other alternative. He had to do it. Why? Why did he feel that he had to do it? He felt he had to do it because of what he saw. 
He saw his sheep, and he saw the sheep in certain aspects. We're the sheep. And so when he looked on us, he saw us as the sheep in our darkness. He saw the sheep in their darkness. He saw the sheep in their despair. He saw the sheep in their sadness. He saw the sheep in their deadness. He saw the sheep with their destination of hell for the punishment of their sins. And when he saw them, as we've seen him do in the past in the Gospels, he had compassion. He didn't just sit far back and say, well, yeah, there they are. They're going to get what they deserve. But he put himself in their position, and having done that, he felt that darkness. He felt that despair. He felt in himself that sadness, that deadness. He felt all that a person feels as they are sitting on death row and realize that there's no more appeals available. The despairingness of it, of a destination, of destruction. And he had compassion. He had compassion on the sheep. He had compassion on the sheep in their darkness. He had compassion on the sheep in their despair, in their sadness, in their deadness, with their destination of hell. He had this compassion. And what he knew, as he felt the compassion, because what he knew is that he knew that he could make a difference. He knew that he could change it. He could change it all. He saw that it was possible for him to change their darkness, change their despair, change their sadness, change their deadness, change their destination of hell. He saw that the sheep in their darkness, and he knew that they could have light. Tom, you mentioned how the Bible says before salvation, we are like lost sheep and how God laid down his life for us to save us. Now there's a verse in Genesis 1.26 that says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, man is a very special creation of God. Man's not an animal. Man, God didn't make man like a monkey. God did not make man like a tadpole. Man is very special. And man is not only special in his physical makeup, which, of course, he, there are some aspects which he shares with the other creation of God, but man is special inside because man has a capability to choose, and God chooses You know, one of the reasons we worship God is that, in a sense, God could do evil, but he has decided to not do evil, and we worship him because he decided not to do evil. You know, man has that choice to do good or to do evil. And so in that sense, we're made in the image of God. God is creative, and man has given an ability to be creative. And so in that sense, we're made in the image of God. God has an ability to be compassionate. And God has made man with an ability to be compassionate. Now, when God is compassionate, as we saw, for example, in the case of Nineveh, when he said, should not I spare Nineveh? And he was compassionate for those people. That was a choice that God made to be compassionate. In the same way, God has given man the choice to be compassionate or not be compassionate. 
Sometimes people say, well, you know, look how evil man is, so therefore there's something wrong with God. No, 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 no. What God did when he made man in his image is he gave him the power to choose. What, uh, whether man chose good or evil, that's not God's responsibility. That's man's responsibility. But God gave him the power to choose. That's what it means to be made in the image of God, to have the power to choose. And so when you choose, you are responsible for your actions. And God chose to make man. And God chose to make the earth the way it is with the beauty of it all and with the provision of food of it all. Those were all choices of God. You, We worship God for his choices. When we worship a hero, we worship him, not because he was a puppet, not because he was forced to do things a certain way. Where's the, the worship and the admiration of that? We worship for his choices. We worship God for his choices. God has made man to have the ability to choose. He is made in the image of God. Speaking of choices, I oftentimes have conversations with atheists. What I've noticed is that they've refused or choose not to believe they were made. Now, what are the consequences of that refusal to recognize that we are created? Well, you're so right in that it is a choice as we've been speaking about that, they have chosen to not believe that they were made. You know, Psalm 100 verse 3 is such an insightful verse because in this verse, it really does show us the consequences of that refusal. It says in Psalm 100 verse 3, know ye that the Lord, he is God. That's almost a command. It is a command. Know ye, God says, that the Lord, he is God. God commands us to know that he is God. You put this in the present day context, we would say, know ye that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is God. And the Bible does tell us, as this verse says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. So God says, you, sh- you must know this. You must believe this. And then comes the consequences of that belief, of that knowledge, when the verse goes on to say, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I don't believe there's any more unrestful life, a life of disturbance, a life of no peace, a life of agitation, a life of restlessness, a life of absolute torment than a life where you are lost. You have no owner. You are the sheep of no pasture. And you are wandering in the abyss of darkness. And God looks on that. He says, I don't want anybody to be like that. I want everybody to know that he is part of the people of God, that he is part of the God's fold, a sheep in his pasture. And you start by knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and understanding that he has made us and not we ourselves and not evolution and not random chance and processes, random processes and, 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 and infinite amounts of time, not happenstance. No, no, no. Handmade. Handmade from a loving heart of a God who cares. 
you get under that submission, and then you'll be part of the people of God, you'll be part of his sheep, and you'll find everlasting life by submitting to his command to believe the gospel. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. And we want to encourage you to search for Tom Cantor on Facebook. In fact, you can find Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries also on Facebook. You can also receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse through Facebook. Now, if you're not on Facebook, you can find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available to you with your email or it can come through your phone. And you can sign up for that by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. And right there, you can sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse email. It's not a big, long devotional. It's just one verse from the Bible and a daily devotional thought, something that you can meditate on and take with you the rest of the day. So go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. Now, if you're listening out there and you have a Jewish friend, someone that you know that's Jewish, a business owner, doctor, lawyer, friend, neighbor, co-worker, family member, someone that you're acquainted with that needs to be reached with the gospel, Israel Restoration Ministries, which Tom Cantor is the founder of, wants to help you reach them by giving you a free gospel gift to put into their hands or to have mailed to them or mailed to you to give to them. To get that free gift, you can go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. And you can sign up and receive that free gift, or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. You can also get our monthly resource, which is a two-for-one, two writings from Tom Cantor, How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Tom Cantor's Testimony. 1-800-247-3051. You can receive both of these resources for a donation of $10 or more. You'll also receive a matching donation from Israel Restoration Ministries towards Jewish evangelism. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Get both of these resources, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.